I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Don't tell the other podcasts. I should go. Hi, you're listening to You Talking Like a Teen, the podcast where we have a tendency to rush back into our past. I am Ashley. Adrian is under the weather and does not have much of a voice. And it turns out that you need that for a podcast. So, well, we're going to do something a little bit different for this episode. Adrian has been doing a podcast of his own for ages. I think since like 2015. It's been a minute. But while he's been doing that podcast, Adrian has issues. Um, I have appeared on it a few times in what is kind of a fun little snapshot of what (laughs) this podcast would eventually become before this podcast existed. So this is an episode that um, we did for that show. Um, It was recorded in the summer of 2018. So kind of before that hockey season started and yeah, honestly, it's not, if if you're here for us and the chaos vibes, it's not that different. We talk some hockey, we talk some music, we make fun of Kid Rock, chaos ensues, you know, the usual. So hopefully you enjoy this little snapshot of history. And in the meantime, we're going to wait for Adrian to feel a little better. And then we're going to get to work on the um, end of year music wrap ups that we are, always do. And yeah, I'm excited to sit down and actually talk about that stuff because it's been a little bit since um, he and I've gotten together to talk music. So in the meantime, if you want to talk to us, if it's still up and running, I know I turned it on this morning and it took like 45 seconds to load before it finally loaded all the things. Uh, You can reach us on Twitter, uh, TLAT Podcast, and you can also reach us on Instagram, Another good and cool <laughs> social media website, um, also at TLAT Podcast. Um, we do have an email address, TLATPodcast at gmail.com. We are available to stream online in all the places. Um, we have a ton of playlists for you over at Spotify. And yeah. This is the number one podcast blocked by Smash Mouth. Do not let anyone tell you any different because they're lying to you. And I hope you enjoy this proto episode of TLET. And um, yeah, don't get swallowed by a Thanksgiving whale. I don't know what that means, but it's just a regular whale, but it has stuffing in it, I guess. Don't get swallowed by that. That sounds awful. All right. Um, enjoy. Welcome to Adrian Has Issues. It's always cool when I can catch up with very good friends. You've heard her on several different incarnations of the show. I mean, if you really want to go way back, I don't even remember the name of the episode. It might have been maybe 41 or 42 of my old podcast, Adrian and Atlas Have Issues, where the last five episodes of that podcast were... 
basically me talking to good friends that I had and pretty much just tried having a solo podcast before making the transition to Adrian has issues in what January of 2015. And on that episode, we had this hysterical discussion about hockey, uh, getting into fights at concerts and just I had a great time. And I was saying prior to the show, I know she doesn't mind me saying this publicly, but if it weren't for Ashley Berkey, I really don't think that a good chunk of the rest of the podcast and especially the new one would have happened because I really was unsure of, can I really hold a conversation by myself? And it's like, and you know, especially with people who were just friends of mine and just kind of kicking around and having a good time. And that's what we did. Since then, um, on this particular podcast, uh, she has appeared on two other episodes going back as early as episode eight, uh, entitled From Gatorade to Murder, which <laughs> we had a really weird conversation about off brand Gatorade flavors and Power Rangers who have uh, committed homicide. <laughs> episode 48, uh, Audio Weedies, where we had, uh, we originally started out talking about hockey. Then we got into discussing bands at the Honda Civic sent the, what was it? What the hell's the name of that tour again? The Honda Civic Tour. Wow. Okay. I thought it was something a lot more just <laughs> involved or something a little bit cooler with a little bit more pomp. No. It's just the Honda Civic Tour. They literally didn't even try to cover up the advertising. Just buy our car tour. Please and thanks. What is it with us and like the things that we love always being involved around oddly placed vehicles? <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to ponder this more. I'm sure there's some sort of weird cosmic connection to it all. <laughs> if you ever been to the Barclays Center in New York, especially during a hockey game, there is a fucking SUV center. <laughs> I want to know if they're taking the car with them. That's right, because they're coming back. I think the Islanders need the car. Well... Had they done well the last season or so, I would say that it's a good luck charm. But as they are doing astoundingly mediocre, I don't think that's the case. Or it turns out it's actually like this idol. It's like this DD because they haven't paid tribute to the car. <laughs> Their season was <laughs> cursed. <laughs> but longest introduction ever. But welcome back to the show. My good friend, I love her to death. <laughs> Ashley Berkey. Ashley, welcome back. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no, thank you, because we were supposed to do this a while ago. Well, actually, we did. It was what? Was it on an anniversary? Or was it just kind of one of those things we just kind of kicked around? I don't remember. Um, we did the audio commentary for a D3 to Mighty Ducks. Yes. I think it was around the anniversary, but it was lost to technology. We've been talking, um, well, pretty much the entire time, because obviously we do that as friends, but even prior to the show, just about getting close to playoff season, and it's, how's it looking as far as our teams go? Because, well, me being a diehard Devils fan and kind of a low-key, well, it's not even low-key, I, I have a St. Louis blue shirt, but I don't know. Well, our teams kind of, like you said, they share this sort of crazy bond, and, well, Devils might make it, you said the Blues are out. Okay. The Blues are not technically out. Like, there's still a mathematical chance that they could make it in. But it doesn't look great, to be honest. <laughs> well, who needs to lose in order for them to advance? Because that's usually what it comes down to. It's not as bad as one might think. The Blues have 83 points. So they're three points out. Dallas is ahead with 84 points. But the Blues have two games in hand. 
And then the two wild card spots, Anaheim has 86 points and Colorado has 88 points. <laughs> Do you remember like two months ago when Philly lost 10 games in a row? Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. How did this happen? I don't know. They just like went on a tear after that, which I mean, I get because like that's embarrassing. And in going back and watching some of those games during the losing streak, just because I was kind of curious, like they weren't playing terrible. They just had a a batch of terrible luck. See, I kind of wish I could feel bad, but I don't. But the difference between, let's say, hockey and football, where in a 10 game losing streak in the NHL, I mean, that's still pretty bad. But, you know, 10 game losing streak in the NFL, like that's 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 your your, season. That's your season. You're done. That was pretty much the Giants last year. <laughs> I mean, that's the difference between playing what eighteen games and eighty-two games. Yeah, is it really eighteen? I mean, Good job, me. Um, or is it no? Is it like twelve? I see. Oh crap! Hold on. You and I would be terrible at regular people sports Jeopardy. <laughs> well, the not see, Canadian version. <laughs> well, that's why I still want to outlive out my dream where we could be hockey commentators because I feel like between the two of us. Attendance would be insanely low, but people would have so much fun. Aw, it'd be like a Coyotes game. (laughs) (laughs) But like three dozen people that go to those games have fun. They've got to, otherwise they wouldn't be there. I cannot understand for the life of me. How is a franchise that terrible? Like... How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's an hour show. I mean, if you want to at least give two, just th- just throw them out real quick. The NHL has done anything and everything to keep that franchise afloat. The NHL owned them at one point. That's not okay. Isn't that conflict of interest? Uh, yeah, like a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Like, their team is going to be good sometime. At some point in the next, like five or six years they're gonna get it together but they've been terrible i feel like for so long it's been a very long time i continue to be flabbergasted at how terrible they can be 24 and 37 like the only team that flabbergasts me more is buffalo i almost keep forgetting that buffalo is even a team buffalo should be good that's the thing that's weird they should have been good this season not like great but like playoff bubble team I just feel like New York in general is just, they're not having a good time. (laughs) No, not really. Rangers aren't doing great. Giants and Jets, you know, less said the better. And I don't even think the Knicks are, are they even still playing basketball? Like, (laughs) I don't, I shouldn't say I don't care about basketball, but I couldn't tell you. But I can't remember the last time, I mean, maybe the Yankees, but even then it was still kind of a rebuild period. I can't think of any like New York-based team that's having fun right now. It seems to be a struggle all across the state. The Mets are kind of okay, right? Yeah, I mean, they're better. Still kind of choking. I mean, like, they have been better than they had been in a very long time. That's something. <laughs> it, it, it is something. for uh, Again, for a franchise that was kind of synonymous with losing, no, they were doing pretty good for a while. It was a nice, strong effort, and I feel like at least it's enough to be like, we were this close to winning it all, and at least that's enough of a momentum push. Because I feel like any team, even if you get to the playoffs and maybe even like the finals or whatever championship of your sport, if you lose, as crushing as that is, that's still pretty good. 
But I have noticed we, there's this, definitely this weird deficit with a lot of hockey teams where it's like either you're doing amazing and just kicking on maximum amounts of ass or you're just abysmal. Like there's very little in between anymore. <coughs> I'm so sorry. Holy shit. Please don't die. <laughs> I got me going. Sorry. I broke you. I've been broken. God, <laughs> we sounded so horrible. Like. <laughs> We are fucking bleak. <laughs> what was that stupid ass song from? I think it was like the Punisher movie with the guy from Saliva and um, Amy Lee. Oh my god! The broken. I know this. The song is in fact called Broken. Okay, cool. <laughs> we are terrible. <laughs> if you held a gun to my head and asked me to sing a line from that song, I would be very dead. You and I have very different interpretations of our friendship. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't even think, I don't even own a gun, let alone to have to like go all the, that's like me having to fly all the way down to Florida to be like, oh, hey, Adrian, um, you know, I kind of wish you'd let me know you were going to visit. Um, why do you have, what, what's in your hand there? Oh, it's a gun. Oh, shit. <laughs> and then to have you sing a bar from a fucking, song from a barely remembered marvel movie and then see if you can pull it off and honestly i don't even remember the lyrics so you can as long as you get the melody right i'd be like all right that's sufficient and then like go home excuse me barely remembered marvel movie filmed in tampa florida thank you and i don't know why i said barely remembered i fucking love that movie it's pretty mediocre it's pretty mediocre but it's pretty amazing at the same time it's fine <laughs> perfectly adequate if you're into that sort of thing Compared to, like, Warzone, I really did like that movie a lot. Oh, no, that movie was was bad. Because when did that come out? Was it 2008, 2009? I thought it was earlier than that. Because I know the Thomas Jane Punisher of 2004, and I remember that because, funny enough, I saw that movie in Florida. I mean, where else would you see it? (laughs) (laughs) It was filmed here, you know. And the funny thing is, I didn't realize that until afterwards, because um, I was actually on a trip to Florida, going to Disney and um, Universal, and the theater was amazing. Like, that was prior to, you know, the big reclining seats being a norm in most movie theaters, and the experience of being there in Florida, you know, seeing that movie, and I'm sure if I maybe saw that elsewhere, and I wasn't on vacation, I probably would think differently of it, but I don't know, I'm just fond of Punisher. Your story makes me think of, do you remember See No Evil? It's this super terrible horror movie starring Kane, the wrestler. Holy shit, yes. I do remember that. So I came down here for a summer basically before going off to college back in St. Louis. And my friend was going to school down here. So she moved down here. So basically she and I had the summer to like fuck around and do nothing. We drove to downtown Disney from Tampa. So like 90-ish minutes away and like wandered around downtown Disney for like two hours and then ended up seeing See No Evil in a Disney movie theater. My condolences. No, it was hilarious. Because, <laughs> you know, you've been surrounded by all of this, you know, Disney joy and rapture and all that shit that makes my soul die. 
And then to go in and see this sort of hilariously terrible horror movie, the juxtaposition of it made me very happy. <laughs> and maybe it was, hold, you know what? Was that it? Was that why I enjoyed The Punisher? Considering that I was full of all this Disney magic and hyper kind of happy setting, then to see this violent movie about this guy who goes on a quest for revenge after his family gets brutally murdered? Sounds about right. Yeah, and it was also 2004, so this is around at least one of my many phases of super angstiness. So, you know, that was, of course, the soundtrack had, like, you know, Chevelle and, like, Drowning Pool and... My God, Drowning Pool. (laughs) Yeah, and it wasn't even, like, original awesome Drowning Pool. It was, like, that second incarnation where they realized the emotional core of the band had unfortunately passed away. So then they just kind of became, like, a beer and booze and boobs kind of, like, butt rock band. (laughs) Gross. And that was the first and last time I've ever been to Florida. Yeah, it's not so great. Unless you want to come see a winning hockey team, in which case, may I present the Tampa Bay Lightning? The Tampa Bay Lightning's been one of those teams that's been in my, like, just overall consciousness without thinking about it. A couple of weeks ago, was it last week or week before last, when um Craig Mack passed away? And the first thing I could think of when he died was, I remember in that one music video where he's wearing a Tampa Bay Lightning jersey. One of maybe three celebrities to acknowledge that Tampa Bay has a hockey team. Who are the other celebrities in? Um, Hulk Hogan is the only one I can think of. Oh, God. <laughs> Which makes sense because he's from Clearwater. That's where the Scientologists live. And we don't speak of them either. So Really? Like all of science, like they're all in that same area? Like the head, head, head Scientology office thing is in Clearwater. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's very creepy. So... You're from like urban areas, just like I am, where you have certain expectations of what a downtown area is supposed to look like. Right. I went with a couple of friends to see a show. It was like a, a jazz festival or something of which the Avid Brothers headlined because jazz. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen a cleaner city in my life. It was the creepiest thing. And I must have looked uncomfortable because when my friends asked me, like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, this is the weirdest downtown I've ever been in. Like, there's no dirt anywhere. And there are no trash cans. So, like, where does all the trash go? What is happening? Like, it was just, it was very unsettling in, like, a Pleasantville sort of way. I don't think I appreciate this. No, I didn't. I haven't been back. I guess if your town's run by Scientologists, that's kind of bound to happen. They're not allowed to have any fun. (laughs) they had so many people like canvassing and like handing out like religious literature outside of the venue. It was so weird. I guess you got to pedal it where you can. Yeah. But outside of an Avis brothers concert, like, okay. I can see if you're thinking about like the darkest, blackest, like satanic metal band you could think of. (laughs) And the sad part is you would think, okay, if you're a, religious group whatever you'd probably protest or hand out pamphlets outside of a concert where it's like it's like a den of ill repute you know what i mean like there's just gonna be just vulgarity and just loud music and just fornication i don't know whatever word that religious fanatics use a lot is fornication still a thing that people say sure okay why not (laughs) all right fornication so it's like then by all means let's go to the show and protest that's like Handing out, like, religious pamphlets outside of, like, a Montgomery Gentry show. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it was, a, it was a jazz festival, so it was like... Oh, well, you know, jazz, well, well there's, you know, loose living and... <laughs> it wasn't that kind of jazz festival. 
It was like a bunch of like semi-retired white people and then like <laughs> a small group of hipsters that were there to see the Haven brothers. <laughs> I tried to give you an I I figured it helped out, but it's not that. It's like jazz is clearly the devil's music. Let Scientology show you the way. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> not that kind of jazz festival, apparently. I don't know. Yeah, no offense to them, though, but it's like, is that really jazz? No, not at all. <laughs> That's like bluegrass pop. I've noticed that with a lot of music festivals where it's always like, oh, hey, it's like blues festival, but like you have Buck Cherry here. <laughs> they use guitars in that one song. Because nothing says, you know, some deep down to the Delta blues like crazy bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know, but the Avid Brothers headlined that jazz festival like three years in a row. <laughs> it turns out that's the only person they could get. And it's like, hi, we're at the uh, Clearwater uh, Jazz Festival. Uh, we're looking for bands to... Yeah? Yep. Clearwater, that's correct. Oh, really? Oh, I'm s- all right. <laughs> he hangs up. All right, guys, just just call the Avid Brothers again. That That's our like 20th call today. No, no one's biting. I have no words. My words have failed me. <laughs> I guess we probably should go back to hockey, but I'm sorry. Like, I think I'm more fascinated with my fictionalized version of Florida than the one that actually exists. Your version is kind of better. I like it. Or <laughs> it just turns out it's like this weird, humid dystopia where Scientology and like gators run the world. It's kind of like Mad Max, but with more palm trees. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just imagining, like, Fury Road, but, like, through the Everglades. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. Holy shit, can we make that movie? We can make that movie. Mad Max with the Everglades, and instead of, like, the Duke Warrior guy with, like, you know, the guitar and, like, the, the speaker tower, it's like, I don't know. Are banjos, is that is that too rough? Sure, why not? Banjos are fine. Oh, banjos are awesome. Cool. I, okay, we need to make this movie. I'm sorry. I swear we're going to get to this list of uh, hockey shit in a minute, but, <laughs> but who do we cast? I want Burt Reynolds in it. Now, is he the lead or is he just having like a cameo? I don't think he's right for our lead character, but I want him in it. Okay, can he be kind of like the, um, not quite the Immortan Joe, but maybe like something like that? That's what I want. I, I need to make this movie now. <laughs> well, get a camera. Come down here and we'll figure the rest out when you get here. <laughs> so something that we had been kicking around even prior to doing the show was in our many texting conversations, um, Asha sent me something that I thought was really fascinating. Vice Sports had posted, I guess, is a I don't know if they actually numbered it, but oh, there's like 40 of them. So I don't know if we're going to be able to get through them all or maybe we'll get through them all. And I may have to do like a split version of this, but. The headline is how to fix the NHL, a league that's broken, which seems to be the word for today. (laughs) (laughs) There's like a lot of stuff here. Some of these I think are kind of a little bit more awesome than others. So I figured being my guest, you know, we'll go through the ones that you pick out because some of these are some humdingers, I swear. My favorite thing, which I wanted to talk to you about because I think it's a really intriguing idea. I'm just kind of curious to see what other people think about it. Number four on this list, the Feige playoff format, which he breaks down in another article, Feige being short for fuck it, everyone gets in. <laughs> See, I was thinking of like Kevin Feige, like the Marvel Studios guy. 
instead of having just 16 teams go to the playoffs and having the stupid playoff setup that we have now, where two of the best teams can meet in the first round and knock each other out, and we miss out on a lot of good hockey. So there's still incentive to do well, because basically what happens is the teams that do well get like basically buys into the next rounds and get a chance to rest while the other bottom 16 teams or 17 teams, I guess this becomes a lot easier when there are 32 teams. The loser round is what he calls it basically where 18 through 31 will play like a one game series and cut that down by half. And then those teams will play a three game series the winners of those will go on to play 16 through 9, basically. Hmm. And then the winners of those series will go on to play the top eight teams. Which sounds kind of cool, but what impact would that have as far as like extending or even shrinking the game schedule? He seems to think that it'll only extend the season by like a week. But one of the biggest pros to this, aside from the fact that everyone gets in, everybody gets to be a playoff team, is that... Each one of these franchises gets money from it because you make so much money from playoff games, which helps owners to sign better players and all this other stuff that makes the game better. And It almost seems more of like an economic step. It is. It's a way to kind of throw a bone to some of those teams that are perennially bad. But I don't know. The playoffs are exciting. I mean, I like the idea of having more playoff games, but having everybody in. There is something to be said, and this is maybe a personal thought, and you know, feel free to disagree, but there is something to be said about whether or not your team will get in, and I understand bringing everybody in isn't necessarily a bad idea in and of itself, but it does maybe pull away a little bit of some of that excitement, which at least they do kind of pare it down after the fact, but yeah. then if everybody's getting in, does it really make that much difference than having just a regular season? No. It's it's a weird system, and I think it would take a lot of getting used to, but it's not like, you know, anybody's being cut out. Like you said, you know, throwing bones to teams that are just bad, which I wonder if there's just maybe some markets that I would almost argue that maybe some franchises are just better off being kind of done away with. But how do you tell somebody who, even if, let's say, that area is a big hockey area, they love their team, even though they do suck, you know, that would be kind of an asshole thing to just be like, all right. You guys suck too much. We're taking your team away. But I don't know. It's it's kind of depressing sometimes. See, and they keep adding teams. And I don't necessarily know if that's the right step. If you think about it, it makes sense logically. Like, if you throw enough teams in markets, like, you're going to grow the game. You're going to grow the fan bases. But, like, some of these fan bases are almost non-existent. Right. In the most loving of ways. Like, I know people that enjoy some of these teams, but like Florida, for example, like there are fans of that team. I know they are. I know they exist. I see them on Twitter, but like they don't go to games. Like, what are we doing? That arena is always so empty. And how is a team making any money? And I'm not a very, like, I'm not a business minded person. So there are a lot of those questions that I'm sure somebody with that mindset and with that knowledge could answer, but it just seems like you're setting some of these teams up for failure. Like, why were these markets allowed teams in the first place? Doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Now, you would know better than I would, but was there ever a point, let's say, with Florida where, you know, it was thriving and it just kind of died off, or was it just always diminished returns? 
Florida's had a couple of spots within their 20-some-odd years of existing in which they've been okay. They were pretty good a couple of years ago. And there were people going to the games when they were good. But the minute that they go back to being mediocre to a bubble team, people stop going to the games. And we've seen it happen to a lot of teams and not even just hockey teams. And that's the part that's tough is how do you cultivate a following or even a loyalty to an area? Because, you know, it's easy to celebrate something at its best, you know, like it's when a team or a band or whatever, when something is super popular, being very successful, it's easy to get behind that and rally behind it. And I'm not necessarily accusing, you know, Florida or anybody, you know, of being fair weather fans, but again, it's easy to rally behind it when, you know, there's this momentum, but it is something that's telling and maybe that's more of like a human condition kind of thing. But the minute things sour, I mean, we've seen it happen with like Colorado. You know, when the Avalanche, you know, first kind of came out to the scene, like they were heavy hitters and you couldn't throw a puck without hitting somebody who's going to be an Avalanche fan. But now it's like you almost forget that they're even around. In all honesty, do you blame anybody for being a Fairweather fan? Like, I don't spend money on hockey tickets going to games hoping my team loses. Right. You want to go to see a good, exciting product on the ice in front of you. But I wonder if a lot of that, too, is, you know, like there's been Devils games that I've been to where they've lost, but they were at least exciting games where at least there was a good energy. And it's like, you know, they played their asses off. It's sports. It's competition. Someone's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. And obviously you hope that they win because that's just it's awesome. But if they lose, you're like, damn, they lost. But you know what, though? That was just a good game. But granted, I also know that some people like for me. I still like the experience of just being at a hockey game, just enjoying the sport. Because there's been plenty of times where there have been some trash scenes that have played, but I'll sit there and watch it still. Right. But that's not everybody. And that's not everybody, and that's just the way that it is, unfortunately. Which I guess that's kind of the um, other reason why this article exists to fix the league, because hockey just doesn't seem to be in a place where I kind of feel like they could be or even should be. And it's not like, let's say, the NFL, who are constantly in the news, but sometimes for all the wrong reasons. Right. I know. So let's go through a few of these. Um, Let's see. Like, some of these are weird. Like, I know, like, number six was, like, bigger nets. Well, (laughs) (laughs) sounds stupid in theory, but it's actually not the dumbest idea I've heard. Like, if the goal of the NHL is to increase scoring, like, that's one of the easiest ways to do it. Make the nets bigger. Make the nets bigger. Shrink the goalie pads a little bit. But then you kind of get one of those things like with basketball, where games tend to run pretty high, but it doesn't necessarily make the game any more exciting. No, it just means there's a three-pointer, and there's a three-pointer, there's a three-pointer. Goals are exciting, I get it, but at the same time, like there have been some amazing games that I've watched that have gone to overtime into shootouts where you know the ending score is 1-0. No goals happened. Yeah. But no goals happening is terrible for like a 25 past the hour local news highlight reel of Joe Blow random hockey guy on TV. <laughs> but then it would require, I think, a little bit more nuance to really get into, all right, the game, you know, to kind of sell it a little bit. And I want to say sell it like you have to fake it, but all right, fine. You have a one nothing score, but at least get into some of the drama, like some of the energy. It's like, okay, yeah, there's a the score to see, but that's a reason. There's a reason for it. Like the teams are just that good. Right. Well, and maybe instead, like, okay, so you don't have a bunch of goals from Steven Stamkos to show in your highlight reel. 
Show some of the awesome saves that Andre Vasilevsky made. Show some of the saves that Jonathan Quick made. Like, there are other aspects of the game that are exciting enough to cut into a 10-second highlight reel. You just have to be willing to look for them. People are lazy by nature, so they want goals. Yeah, and it's like, goals are fine, and I also know that a lot of it's you... I don't know if it's something that was just picked up from other sports or just in general where, I don't know, like, I feel like we're always chasing Michael Jordan. All the points. All the points, you know, huge superstar, super likable, you know, that face of an organization kind of thing. I mean, that's fine when you have somebody who at least is kind of a standout in some way, shape or form, you know, because you see it in basketball a lot. You know, you see it a little bit in football and we haven't seen it in hockey. I mean, they, of course, they try, but they try with the wrong people. I mean, arguably, I'm sure there's someone from Pittsburgh or, you know, Chicago who's listening. It's like, fuck this guy. <laughs> Patrick Kane is a terrible human being. Do not oh, absolutely. Him to sell me the NHL. I hate all of you. Stop doing it. We always go to Kane, Crosby being another, and it's always, you know, oh, this whole original six nonsense, which will not die. Will not die. Is not real, will not die. And that's been proven, like, multiple times. There have been so many articles, videos, breaking it down as to why, but yet, like, we're selling, like, this, it's weird, and I don't know if, like I said, if it does it come from laziness, where I feel like, and I don't know if it's just promotion or reporting it, where it feels like we're kind of selling this manufactured version of the sport that doesn't quite exist. Not to be all tinfoil hatty, but it's East Coast bias. Like, these are the teams that have the largest markets. These are the teams that are easiest to market, so why not market them? We can claim that these are the origins of, of hockey as we know it. Like, why not raise them on these pedestals? But, like, it's stupid. I'm sorry. Right now, the three best teams in the NHL are from weird southern markets. Tampa, mm-hmm. Nashville, and Vegas. You need to own that. Use this as an opportunity to show that it doesn't have to come from Canada or the Northeast to be this gloriously awesome product. Fucking use these smaller cities with these weird markets just to show how fun the game can be. You don't need snow and ice to enjoy hockey. You don't need a bunch of money and to have played previously to enjoy hockey. Look at these weirdos going to hockey games in shorts and flip-flops. Look at these weirdos coming from casinos to go to games. Look at these weirdos in cowboy hats enjoying hockey. This could be you. Look at how much fun they're having. The angel's stupid. Doesn't know how to do anything. <laughs> It makes me so sad. Yeah, that's kind of funny that you should say that, because I feel like that's also a kind of a mentality that, at a time, I felt even with music. You know, the big band that came out of New York or, you know, like these big metropolitan areas. But then it's like, how many of these other bands you know of in like these really weird areas? Like when a lot of the punk started coming out of the Midwest, people really had no idea what to do. You know, because it was like, you know, East Coast, West Coast punk. But then it's like you get your hot water musics and, you know, your Dillinger Fours where it's just like, oh, shit. There's this whole other region that you're not paying attention to, but there's this great stuff that's coming from there. Not quite niche, but also not as big as I felt it should have been. And I understand that not every fan base, whether it be music or sports, is going to get their due. Not everybody can have the same giant group of fans and sell out stadiums every night. But there are so many different ways to market this sport to make people see how fun and awesome it is. 
I don't know. St. Louis versus Boston rivalry night is not the way to do it. (laughs) And I think maybe that's the point. They don't have to. It's cool when you, like I said, you have a superstar team, you're selling out stadiums, but maybe you don't have to, to a point. And I think maybe that's it is, you know, I said, there's plenty of bands who are super successful that have, at least in their own ways, that may not necessarily be on billboard charts or like there's some movies that do really well or are successful that may not necessarily have swept the Oscars or, you know, there's sports teams that are very well, but they may not necessarily be sweeping the Stanley Cup or Super Bowl. I think it comes down to, and we'll get back to this list in a second, is changing our idea of success and what success really means. You're right. Not everything is going to be like immensely popular. It's like this, you know, cultural phenomenon, but you can have a, a decent fan base just by building that within your own towns or neighborhoods or whatever you want to call them. Well, and treating the fans that you do have with respect and treating them like they're an intelligent people, treating the fans like they're worth something. Like we're not just a bunch of, you know, cattle with money in our pockets. Like, if you have fans telling you that they don't want Kid Rock playing at the All-Star Game, then don't have Kid Rock playing at the All-Star Game. If you have fans telling you that they don't want Patrick Kane being used to sell the league because he was accused of raping someone and punched a cab driver in the face and all these other things that he did, then don't use him for stuff. Use someone else. (laughs) Like, listen to the people that are actually, like, spending their money to make your product succeed. That would be not the solution to all their problems, but it would definitely be a step in the right direction is changing how the sport is just seen by most people. And I understand you're going to have some people with weird suggestions. Like there's some weird shit in this article. And I know with Dave Lozo, a lot of his stuff does sort of have a, a comical slant to it. So It's to be taken with a grain of salt, but like some of these ideas aren't terrible. Yeah. So let's go back into these real quick. Um, Let's throw out a few more. So I don't know. So what are your other picks for some of these that would be worth highlighting? One outdoor game a year. That's it. Not 17 because the more outdoor games you do, the less impact they have. I understand it's awesome for those markets that get those games and that get to play the Blackhawks. But they don't mean anything to the average person on TV who's who's sitting at home watching it on TV, which is why if you go and you look at the ratings for all these games, they've gone downhill since they first started. Like no one cares anymore because it's it's not as novel of a concept. If you realize that the ratings are going down on these, you know, outdoor sporting events, why continue to do them? I understand that they make a lot of money in those specific markets and that in those specific markets, they do well ratings wise, but I guess you need to think globally. (laughs) Like who cares if they do, you know, if your Buffalo versus Rangers winter classic game does well in Buffalo, like that doesn't help to really grow your game outside of those two markets, which are well established. Right. Not to be mean to Buffalo and the Rangers. They're fine. Whatever. Oh, no. Totally be mean to the Rangers. You know? <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. You not wanting to be mean to the Rangers? Well, I guess it's more of a me thing than you, but oh my gosh. I was like, wait, you pass up an opportunity to take a jab? <laughs> oh my gosh. When the Rangers released that letter being like, um, we're not saying that we're tanking, but we're tanking and rebuilding. My heart grew three sizes that day. <laughs> 
more teams need to fucking take note. Just be honest. If you expect me to sit through a garbage product with hopes that, you know, you'll draft the next Connor McDavid and he'll lead us to the promised land, be transparent about it. Live in your truth. Own your shit. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. And I think that's something that has happened with sports a lot is when a team tanks, what often happens? You know, they'll fire the head coach. They may get rid of one of the managers, but it doesn't fix anything. No. And it's hard to get results, especially if you're in a team that is known for not performing well. Sometimes, yes, it is a difference in management. And, you know, uh, another coach or another manager may be able to instill some sort of inspiration. You know, like we often joke about, or I often joke about it because it's fucking wonderful. Like, um, you know, with Mike Yo, after that abysmal performance of the Minnesota Wild, and maybe to have seen that on camera was very harsh. Because he laces into his team, like this profanity laced tirade. And it was painful to watch, as I'm sure if it was painful for them to deal with. Now, I'm not saying every team needs to do the same thing, but having somebody who at least gave enough of a shit to be willing to say, you suck, you need to get better, but let's actually work on getting better. It wasn't necessarily just a matter of, okay, because the story was, oh, he's cursing at his team, and he's screaming, he's kind of throwing a fit, but it's like, no. There was a point to it. It wasn't necessarily just tearing them down. You know, it was a very hard truth and maybe not presented the best way. But by the same token, it lit a fire under their asses. It did. And you have a plethora of coaches in the NHL that work on that system, that hard-ass system, where you've got coaches like John Torella and Ken Hitchcock that just scream and yell and carry on. And it is motivating to a point. Unfortunately, the shelf life on a coach like that is a bit shorter than some of these other coaches because like eventually you learn to tune that shit out. That message doesn't have the same impact anymore. And I know there are blues fans already who are calling for yo to be fired. And I can see the point to a degree, but I think it's a little early. Like he's only been, this is his first full season and the blues have dealt with a lot of circumstances kind of beyond their control and injuries and such. And, Jake Allen being terrible through December and January, like he always is. <laughs> the first time it happened, he, he and his wife had just had a baby. So, like, that's fair because babies cry and it's a whole thing. And, like, that interrupts your sleep. And that's a big life change, especially with your first kid. But, like, right. this season, there's no excuse for that shit. Get it together, man. You spent, like, two months being terrible. You hear that, babies? Ashley does not give a single. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> babies, get it together. <laughs> this man needs to play hockey. Stop crying. Fucking Jake Allen, man. He is a great, phenomenal goalie until he's not, and it's very frustrating. I miss Brian Elliott. I'm so sad that Brian Elliott's in Philadelphia now. The parallels between the NFL and NHL are pretty staggering at this point, and if I had to say anything is that I think both leagues don't understand that the things that they do, even behind the scenes, they affect morality as a whole, even for players, even for the teams that are doing very well. Like people, you know, it's kind of like when you see stuff online and, you know, someone famous does something really stupid. And then they're shocked that people caught them on that as if the entire world doesn't see what they do on a regular basis. It's like you don't exist in these little bubbles that people don't notice these things, and it affects the fans, it affects attendance, it affects 
you know, player ability. It affects so much. Like these things, when you do promote somebody like a Patrick Kane, like you said, or, you know, put Kid Rock on your all-star game, considering some of the horrific shit he said, what are you doing? Like this stuff has an effect. Side note, I knew that he was a scumbag human being, but like once they announced all the stuff for the the all-star game, I actually started doing some reading. Holy shit, is he a scumbag human being? I had no idea. It's a shame because at least, you know, late 90s, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I listened to at least, you know, the popular songs. We all kind of did at least to a point. And even then, you kind of knew something was wrong. New metal was a thing. It happened. We all know it. It's fine. Just, man, his whole career trajectory is not something I expected. Very odd for somebody to come from a community that diverse to be the way that he is with his beliefs and such. But it makes sense, you know, for all the slings that we as a people have been kind of throwing at Bruno Mars about the whole appropriation thing where it's like, nah, you save that for Kid Rock. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a guy who has been very open about his influences and tries his best to pay homage to them. And I mean, whether you like his music or not, at least he saw it and he's pretty transparent about all that. It's like, I don't know if you've looked at Kid Rock's material even prior to his, you know, rise to fame. It's pretty bad. Is it? Oh, you never saw him with the high top? He had a high top? That's hysterical. Obviously, no one's going to be able to see this, but um, of him, is one of his early album covers, or I'll put it in the show notes, but here's a kid who built a following off of the back of hip-hop culture for a very long time, and then once it was no longer viable for him, he went and turned into the complete opposite and then went as far as to pretty much shit on the people who, you know, he supposedly was influenced by. Yeah. But I'm sending you the picture now. And like I said, I'm going to probably put this in the show notes, but this is, he looks like the slim, he looks like he just snapped into a slim gym. Oh my God. <laughs> and you mean to tell me that this guy has nerve to try to tell me about something? This is the master race, Adrian. (laughs) Right here in this photo. (laughs) Make high top fades great again. (laughs) Oh, shit. He, like, tell me, like, this guy did not just literally just bite into, like, the saltiest piece of beef jerky. And I'm going to just send one more just for posterity. Like, this is... This this is where we were at for a time. Ah! That's perfect. Now, I don't necessarily make it a point to make fun of certain people. I do understand, you know, being young is stupid and people having ridiculous haircuts. But again, considering that his whole career was based off of this persona, what is happening? Like when you have an entire sports league that's promoting this, like that was almost as tone deaf as when they brought Justin Timberlake back to perform at the Super Bowl. Like you send out these messages and you clearly are sending them with a note attached saying, we do not care about our fans or even some of the players. I want to find the actual quote that the NHL said about the Kid Rock thing because they addressed it and then proceeded to basically shit on everyone. Okay, here's the quote. Most of the time, our acts are passionate hockey fans. This is an NHL executive VP. It's all about entertainment at the end of the day for us. And the selection was purely based on that and the fact that Kid Rock is a hockey lover. That's simply the background here. That's it. That's it. 
Do you know how many fucking bands love hockey? Like, they could have had 36 Crazy Fist play. And nobody knows who they are outside of Alaska and pretty much everywhere else other than the U.S. But still, like, they're having their merchandise is hockey base. Like, you could have got anybody. You could have had Kevin Smith perform. Like, to do, like, some crazy stand-up nonsense. Like, I'm, you know, not that it's nonsense, but even if it wasn't even music, it still would have made a lot more sense than putting a known racist... They had other bands at the event. Like, Fits in the Tantrums was there. Who's was a bigger name and a bigger draw than Kid Rock to begin with. Like, nobody else is a fan of hockey? Did you even ask? Not only is, like, this was the only fan of hockey that you could find. An avid Detroit Red Wings fan. Who are actually a weird rival of the Tampa Bay Lightning. We faced them multiple times in the playoffs over the last few years. And those games get physical and heated. They right. don't like us, and we don't like them. You couldn't have fucking Carrie Underwood come down here and be adorable and sweetness and light in a freaking Nashville jersey and be done with it? Yeah, like, you couldn't find anybody at least relatively local? I get it. Like, there's not a lot of musical environment here, and, like, nobody of note is really from here. That's, so that's fine. Not entirely true, well, not every hockey market has got Nashville's sort of stable of superstars. They could have had Modest Mouse come down and perform Florida. Fucking love that song. Modest Mouse would have been like, what is hockey? Tater Truth, they still would have been like, I mean, all right. I mean, they're paying us and we're going to put on a show for y'all. I hope you enjoy it. Even if nobody clapped and Isaac Brock just chucked an empty bottle into the stands. Hey, if Modest Mouse had come <laughs> down here, I would have been there and I would have clapped. I would have been there. Like it would have been like the two of us and like at least thousands of just confused people. For like four years running, like they've used nothing but Fallout Boy songs in the freaking NHL commercials. Book Fallout Boy. They're available. They ain't doing anything else. They're just making terrible albums. So stop them from doing <laughs> that for a day. Well, isn't that mainly because uh, Patrick Stump stole like a crazy amount of debt from that solo album? Yeah. Well, shit happens. I was busy doing other Fueled by Ramen bands. Oh, boy, I never did it for me. Ah, Fueled by Ramen. They're still a thing, right? Wasn't Paramore Fueled by Ramen for a while? They were, in fact, Fueled by Ramen. Let's find out who is on the Fueled by Ramen label. Oh, God, 21 Pilots. Nope, burn it. I mean, they're not awful. I just don't understand why they're so popular. <laughs> oh, here's something fun. Uh, did you know that Dashboard Confessional is now a Fueled by Ramen artist? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. I forgot Dashboard's back. Shit. I wish I'd listened to that before we started, because I haven't heard the new album. All I've heard is the song that they play on the radio that is a weird sentence and feels inherently wrong for me to say. And it doesn't sound anything like Dashboard. The hippos were on Fueled by Ramen? I miss the hippos. It's funny. In looking at this list, you can see the like three distinct phases of this record label. There's that very first set of, like, the pie tasters, where it was basically, like, Les and Jake being like, come on, other bands that we are friends with, be on our label. And it was all sort of things like that. Then you have the Academias and Gym Class Heroes and, like, that, like, 2006 through, like, 2009 pop punk sort of thing where, like, right, Goodbye right. Ramen was it. And then there's that, like, death knell of Sublime with Rome. I would almost say that Death Note was probably around 303. 303 was a thing, though, for a little bit. Yeah, I still keep forgetting that that was a 
That was a time. We all made bad decisions then. It was fine. Uh, Kita's what we aim for. That guy's a douche. <laughs> oh, wait, did I miss something? He's under fire for a string of tweets beginning with, quote, Hey, most claims of sexism slash racism are total bullshit. This isn't the 1960s. Please get a grip. Oh, my God. Yeah. This picture that goes with it, you know, we're going back to the whole Kid Rock thing. You know, you don't like to make assumptions about people based on the way they look. That's a terrible thing to do. Like, matter of fact, you know, we're trying to get people to do that less. But sometimes there's this perfect marriage between, <laughs> you know. I would bet dollars to donuts that they went through their archive of photos of this man and picked the douchiest photo possible to use. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, hold on. It gets better. Um, he's like hysterical. Sis isn't the thing. It was made up five years ago and has expanded to 70 plus by crazy people. And then someone had tweeted, I can't believe there are people that won't look past the fact that you made good music 10 years ago to realize what a shithead you became. (laughs) 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 To which he responds, that's entirely fair. I'm a washed up musician who was never human. Wow. At least he admits it to the world. God damn, this is dark. This this got dark. We always go dark. No, don't apologize. This is amazing. This is the quality content I look for because honestly, I hate to say it. I kind of am a fan of when like band members, I mean, uh, to a point. Now, to be fair, to a point, let me just preface by saying sometimes they say stupid things and it's funny watching the blowback, but then there's sometimes they do terrible things where it's like, I'm sorry, there's no way to joke about that because some of the shit, you know, just kind of comes up and it's like, that's not fun. Right. Arizona band never let this go added. Sexism is real. Racism is real. Both should be taken seriously. Embarrassed that we ever played with Q is what we aim for. Oh, and then Keith Buckley is like, hi, Shan. I traveled the world and I concur that you are embarrassing. <laughs> to which yeah. he responds, solid. You said this for 10 years. Oh, oh, it gets better. Then I guess Shant then replies like, buy his book slash extended catalog of dope music and sends a link. To which Keith Buckley then responds, I kindly ask you. Do not show my book on your timeline and the grasp my camaraderie. I completely disavow everything you say and stand for. I suddenly need to blast him every time I die right now. <laughs> Apparently, Mr. Q's what we aim for has also said that rape culture isn't a thing. What? Rape culture isn't a thing, for real. Playing the victim seems to fit the narrative. In my 29 years, I've yet to encounter a human who is looking to rape someone. Everyone loves sex, but I've never met a dude who is going out into the world to commit rape. There may be horrible humans out there who are predators, but to say there is a culture of rape is short-sighted and aggressive. Look into the actual statistics and get back to me. You know what? Let's actually do that. Eat literal shit. Fuck this guy. (laughs) Jesus. I knew they were bad, but like, when you have a platform and you have thoughts... Maybe sometimes don't say those thoughts. Sometimes if you want to tweet about something, maybe stop and think about it for a second or type a tweet and then just delete it. Or like sit on it for a while, think about it, but maybe, but no, there's no way. It's not like there are certain tweets where you go, all right, you know, I'm not against, you know, general shit posting because I do it all the time, but not to the point where you're saying things like rape culture isn't a thing. Like that's, there's no way to sit on that and look back and be like, okay, you know, I made the right decision. <laughs> There's no way to ruin it on that. Like, the minute that you even put it in your drafts, it's like, yeah, nope, that's a red flag. Head desk. Sad part is, I don't even want to close on that, because that's a terrible way to go out. <laughs> 
Okay, so who's your team this year, Adrian? You always have a weird team. Are Gold Knights considered a weird team, though? They're, like, chic. There's a guy that I work with who, with some pretty avid frequency, wears a Golden Knights t-shirt to work. And so I finally cornered him about it. Because I'm like, I know, like, five things about you, and, like, one of them is that you've lived in the state of Florida your entire life. What are you doing? Uh, (laughs) So I asked him, I'm like, when did you get on the Golden Knights bandwagon? He's like, about December. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> he waited for them for like two months to be good. They were good. He liked the logo. He bought a shirt. So that's a bandwagon you can jump on. That's fine. But that was you. And I <laughs> love that because you know what it was? It was the, okay, between the Devil's shirts, the St. Louis Blues, and then Golden Knights. You know what? For a time, you know, especially at that one brief period, all three of those teams are doing well. And I kind of felt like I had some sort of cool, like, superpower. Like, oh, sweet, I'm making teams be good. Which is, maybe I should own more Giants, you know, attire. <laughs> maybe that'll help. But maybe it's different. Maybe because I can't buy it for myself. But I don't know. They're fascinating in a weird way. Because, I mean, we I think we've even said so on the show prior. But, you know, the fact that Vegas even has a hockey team was just sort of mind-blowing to me in an almost comedic way. But then after a while, I thought about it. Like, shit, that actually kind of works. It made no sense until it made perfect sense. Right. The thing that kind of blows my brain is that on paper, like, this team is absolute dog shit. They've got too many defensemen. For a while, they were playing, like, fourth and fifth string goalies because everyone was hurt. Like, they should be not necessarily, like, Buffalo terrible, but, like, Carolina terrible. They should not be fucking first in the Pacific, having been in the President's Trophy hunt for most of the season. Doesn't make any sense. And come on, their mascot makes no fucking sense whatsoever. It's the most terrifying Pokemon I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's probably a legendary. It looks like a lizard ate a sand shrew. (laughs) I don't... <laughs> I just, oh god, I think it might have been the first time I snorted on my own podcast. <laughs> Bye. Bye.